0: Hey everybody, this is Andy Masugu and you're listening to The Secret Source Podcast, where we open source The Secret Source, although on this episode, it's more about teeth and spilling it, I think. You know, as the chi- as the young people say, you know what I mean? From time to time, you got to spill some tea. You know what I'm saying? So in this case, maybe let's just keep it on theme and call it, we're spilling some sauce. Okay. <laughs> and it's all open source. All right. And I'm not spilling this sauce alone. I have an extra special guest on the show to kick off today's show because, yeah, we're doing things completely different for this episode. Now, for those of you who do not know what that name represents in South African broadcasting, (laughs) well, it represents quality journalism. It represents class. It represents a golden voice. It represents empathy. It represents... What many people wake up on a Saturday and a Sunday morning thinking, I can't wait to tune in for breakfast over, you know, I don't know, some some lovely crumpets and I don't know, call it some French toast and, and, and a warm drink. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is friend of the factory right here on the secret sauce podcast i don't know if i even i was trying to pull a a quick what is it breakfast club
1: listen time intro listen uh, oh, what's this dude what's Listen, this dude? come on and, uh, yeah listen, i'll take it i'll take it <laughs> yeah i will take it that was a lovely introduction yeah. thank you so much Actually, it's
0: not even Charlemagne who does it it's a it's a dude who used to be on mtv
1: yes exactly yeah, yeah. Na- why would i forget his name why would
0: I, we, yeah we need to get to his name
1: oh my goodness we're having like yes we're having a we're having a no, geriatric a geriatric, <laughs> a geriatric millennial moment right um, now we're not doing this right
0: i'm actually i'm literally googling Charlemagne
1: the god angela yee and dj envy, envy. of course my so goodness wait,
0: um just a second american sway Sway. No,
1: but Sway is a Breakfast Club. So this is what I'm saying. Ah, okay. So Sway
0: is the one who does these crazy, um, yeah, yeah. Um, long and actually really
2: pretty well researched. And well,
0: well researched, but he also does them off the dome. Yeah, for for his because I watched yeah. you know I, I I remember watching him some years ago and. I used to think he he was reading about the
1: he would scripted it he scripted like that. it or something yeah. but
0: he was literally like person in front of him and he was just waxing about why he was so grateful to have that person in the studio and I loved that.
1: But I mean that is the beauty of experience yeah. and confidence yeah. and research as well, right? Which
0: you have loads of because for for people who are listening to this podcast, typically tuning in because they're part of the Africa's tech and innovation scene. Sure. At, you know, mainstream broadcasting in South Africa might not be something they're familiar with, but Refilwe trained by the very best at What many consider the best sort of journalism school in in South Africa. But university. Uh, Yeah. And and then, you know, working your way through various, you know, forms of you know traditional broadcasting. So so people thinking, why is she on this podcast? Well, it turns out (laughs) she had enough time to squeeze into her schedule to do some journalism about a certain Alina Trejina and a co-founder of this business. Yeah. Co-founder. And formerly chief strategy officer and 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 you're here to just you know talk about it with me for yeah. a second thank you for doing it though listen
1: i'm happy to be actually this is uh, probably one of the things i was most looking forward to coming back from holiday uh-huh. and uh-huh. just uh, touching base with you and just having a chat uh-huh. because you are also insanely busy andy Le. How in the world do you <sighs> yeah, manage? It's yeah so the fact that we can do a face-to-face this really is, makes me happy. I think it, makes it, me very happy. It
0: really does, and and thank you. That's very kind to say. And yes, I am busy, but not too busy for this okay. because you put in so much time and effort to take on a journalistic project. You know, you've got like you're doing. You know, radio on on like the mainstream level. You are raising a young child. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, one of two, but you know you are traveling abroad as part of like family and work trips and and then you get a call from your boy saying (laughs) hey we've got this incredible story that hasn't been told yeah Um, how about it how about it Mm. what goes into projects outside of your day-to-day being a broadcaster Mm What goes into deciding what you're going to do or not do? Because I imagine you've got quite a few things.
1: I do have I do have a lot of things on the go. Obviously, I've got my communication production company. So whether it's scripting, research, writing for TV and any number of things or emceeing and facilitating or hosting roundtables, etc. and all that. All those lovely things. So I do have a number of things on the go, but I'll tell you why. What goes into it being as
0: you're like deciding what you're gonna do and not do i mean i imagine you've got a filter
1: so this far into my broadcasting career if it doesn't make me if it doesn't excite me then i'm not interested and you truly can't just do things strictly for the money so unless it excites you and unless it falls within your ambit of general interest i think don't bother right? You've established yourself and you being me, you've established yourself. People know you for particular things, stay in your lane or when you venture out of your lane, do it because of passion. Mm. And the reason I said yes to the Alina Trujina story, the limited podcast series that we did was this crazy, but abiding interest in tech that really got set on fire when I lived in China for three years. Mm. And when you live there, you understand and see the pervasiveness of technology and innovation in people's lives in the craziest way, good and bad, right? And then you come back to South Africa and you start thinking around the kinds of applications that technology could have in doing so much for us. Mm. And you start to wonder and think around things like why African governments... companies i'll I'll stick to governments essentially society but are you thinking more in
0: terms of like policy making policy
1: making research and innovation creating you know a fertile ground for people who are brave enough hungry enough agile enough to do the most And we still haven't succeeded in doing that, which makes me incredibly sad. Don't get me started about load Mm, shedding, (laughs) mm, mm. you know. So I said yes to this project because you guys sit at this really lovely intersection of being able to foster and grow the potential Mm. of Africans. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. It really is an incredible position to be in. And I want it to be in the mix. Yeah. What do you mean? So,
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. I hadn't expected that response because I, you know, when you listen to the podcast, and again, I thank you for, for naming it because the the podcast is Build to Thrive. Yeah. The Alina Trujina story. It's a three part podcast mini-series. You at the helm as producer and you know bunch of us hanging about trying to be helpful but 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 no honestly and truly like you just you know bringing your journalistic chops to unpacking what is a, a very compelling personal story mm-hmm. and an origin and coming of age story you know a, a Lena Trina story and then also digging into you know what would lead someone with that kind of comeuppance mm-hmm. to pour herself into a life of advancing innovation and building futures in places very very far from where her story began sure i think i would have so i i kind of thought that, that what was what you found compelling because i kind of know you somewhat more than a lot of the listeners that it was more the 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 personal storytelling mm, you mm. know and the the personal story no
1: so the personal story absolutely is compelling. If There's nothing I love more than profiling people. Mm. And so the opportunity to read about an individual, and even though I don't show it, I always have a working theory around who the person I'm interviewing is, what motivates them, what inspires them, perhaps new traumas, perhaps, uh, like, basically, I've got, yeah. like, my little Fake Sigmund Freud hat on, so like but I'm very good at keeping my psych, opinions.
0: Psychoanalyzing uh, subjects.
1: Listen, Is that I am doing it all the time, yeah. constantly, but I I don't show it yeah. or you know or, or let it you know come through. But I find it fascinating to profile people. I am, even though you couldn't tell, quite an introvert, or maybe oh. you could, quite an introvert. So it's that. a nice, safe way of connecting with people. And then you can just retreat to your little shell. Ah. You know what I mean?
0: Because there's a lot of... I mean, this series is dripping with empathy. It's Mm -hmm. dripping with a certain vulnerability, a willingness to actually ask the questions that I imagine a lot of people who've worked with Alina over the years probably would never have asked her. Mm. And for people listening, like, who is Alina Trujillo? For goodness sake. Well, for starters... Don't worry, we got your back. You know, links in the bio, links in what, what do the kids say? Link, links in the show notes. <laughs> We're talking about a young Latvian refugee who escapes, you know, the the fall of of the Soviet Union, and, and goes very far away. I'm not going to give more than that, sure. just so that people can enjoy the story. And and I mean, for a story that starts there, moves to Australia, moves to Europe, and then. Africa and 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 you know South America. I think there's an intrigue in you know the choices that are made, and, and I mean, admittedly, Alina will tell you that you know she's enjoyed her fair share of, of privileges, but it's just for me the fascinating thing is just the choice of how to channel that privilege, sure. ironically into things that will erode it somehow. Mm, mm. I think that just makes for really compelling storytelling in a an environment that is, you know, has obvious diversity and inclusion issues, Yeah, which is tech, business in general, management, yeah. <laughs> fund management, mm-hmm. early stage investments for sure. And so, yeah, I, you know, there's a, there's a version of, you're honestly one of the only people I thought could unearth the story in the way you did. Because of what I know about you, how eclectic you are, business person, like, you know, but also how, as a woman, as a black African, you you live this truth every day. You live these realities every yeah. day.
1: You know what? So you said something about vulnerability. Mm. And I think Alina, despite or in spite of, I'll find the right English word soon, <laughs> the fact that, yes, she is in the space that, you know, you just, you spoke about her privilege and the fact that she's one of very few women in this venture fund world, especially on the continent. And one can make so many assumptions around how if someone is such a power player, then of course they're naturally, they're strong, they're impervious to hardship, they're impervious to all sorts of things. But then you spend some time with her and I only met her once. Mm. Twice. In person. <laughs> in person. Yeah, wow. You spend some time with her and you realize that, of course, being a refugee and, of course, starting afresh in another country altogether and learning another language and essentially being part of a tight-knit family that picks up the pieces after much loss means that there is something at the core that cannot be open and public-facing every day, all day.
0: Yeah.
1: That, that child... That left home at the age of five or six. Hide that. She needs to be kept incredibly safe. And I can relate to that as well, because as you say, I'm a black African, I'm a black South African woman. And we know all about keeping it moving, Mm. because to have an emotional breakdown right now is not convenient. do you know what I mean? Just keep walking. It's anti-revolutionary. One, <laughs> it One, is. You know what I mean? We don't have time. There's no time for your emotions for your right now. feelings. <laughs> keep it moving. Yes. You know? So I could relate to that. Yeah. And I could also, and I think I also remove a lot of ego from my work, at least my work process, mm. in a way that I never do outside of work. Mm. Right? I probably might lead with ego up front in every other sphere. Mm. But I, I, I do set aside ego quite a lot. Because it's not about you. Mm. So by all means, treat your subject mm. with empathy, with care. Mm-hmm. And I think that does probably sets me apart within my sort of interview and radio process. Comes especially through, with the Especially with the, pro, with the profiles.
0: It really does, it, does come that's through. that's what
1: we're trying to achieve, right? We're trying to get to know somebody in a way that every other interview, if, they, if, they, if they're on the media circuit, yeah. we're trying to get to know a person in a way that every other interview doesn't give you.
0: Yeah, yeah, but then you also do it in a way where you maintain your journalistic, and this is the thing I think I struggle with because Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'd be known to cry on a podcast Uh, (laughs) (laughs) or two. No, honestly, I, I almost uh, at some point, to some degree, almost reject the notion that Mm -hmm. you can exist outside of, or you can sort of create a, a journalistic like a sterile yourself, environment a sterile yeah. environment mm. perfect wording and actually create a, an avatar of yourself that mm. is you know completely divorced from your feelings about this person your sense of them to the extent to which part of why at some point i was offered a very tempting opportunity to join a very very <laughs>
1: underline very
0: a, a very no no <laughs> a, a large broadcaster you you'd all know yeah and why i turned down career journalism is because i W- couldn't subscribe to that form of journalism, mm. and I do think society and journalism as a practice and broadcasting as a practice has actually evolved somewhat. Yeah. to accommodate. Wait, I don't hang my
1: to accommodate the human being yeah, doing the job. I don't hang job. up
0: and delay at the door yeah. to come do radio and then go home and you know take For it, sure. t- and put it back on. And I think really. And maybe now we're talking shop for, for people who who fancy journalism and broadcasting, but yeah. this is actually a thing. So I, I honestly, kudos to you, all that to say. Thank you. It wasn't just interesting. It wasn't just novel. It just, it wasn't just shareworthy, It was robust. It felt pertinent. Mm-hmm. It felt relatable. Mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast are thinking, "What could I possibly learn?" Africans, you know, Black Africans like sure. ourselves are thinking, "What could I possibly learn listening to a podcast about, uh, you know, you know Europeans, you know, hardships mm. in, in in becoming a, mm. an adult and and starting a business called Founder's Factory Africa?" And you'd be surprised how much humanity and relatability and and also applicability. Yeah, you were able to, to sort of weave into this project, man. It was just fantastic.
1: All those things. And why would you not want to know about an important company that is part of a cohort that at the end of the day is doing something, is taking a risk and helping fellow Africans bring their dreams to fruition, helping people birth their passions and their ideas and why wouldn't you want to know that why wouldn't you want to know the possibilities what's out there Mm. beyond this you know sometimes very small aperture that we allow ourselves Mm. into our countries our economy our continent Mm. why wouldn't you want to know that
0: that's so true there's so
1: many people doing fascinating things out there
0: and so precious little information about what it truly takes behind the curtain sure. of or sort of this facade of hyperconfidence that a lot of companies come to market with, yeah. out of necessity. I'm not, you know, I'm not mad at at why it's taken this long for the story to be told because yeah. there's a version of this only made sense for Ali, like Alina was only willing to. To be a part of this project, in light of her transitioning to something even, you know, yeah. as Into, in, yeah, to transitioning as, to something else, to something else, yeah. you know, uh, in Southeast Asia, and it's crazy. Where, yeah, I mean, there's so little information about what it truly takes, yeah, to be part of a team that not just imagines a version of the future or a a, a way to sort of design futures for mm-hmm. a whole generation of founders and, and countries, like you were saying, but to really shift culture in a in a way that will almost in a another decade make us forget how things used to be, yeah. And so I, for me, that was the compelling premise around going. We need to capture the story. I remember, and I'll, I'll probably check for her permission after I share this. <laughs> um, so sure. if you if you're hearing this, then it's probably because I've asked and she's okay. With yeah. It. I remember sitting across the table from Alina, who actually, you know. For the time she was chief strategy officer at Founders Factory Africa, and by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably already know that she's moved on to be the founding partner and CEO of the Radical Fund, the climate tech fund in. Is that cool? Yeah, a, a climate tech fund in uh, Southeast Asia, which again. Trust me, she's our. She's definitely the biggest advocate for the you know Founders Factory Africa business and model yeah. in Southeast Asia, and she remains a member of our board, etc., and, and and advisory, and, and, and remains in an advisory capacity. So, so by that, by this time, that this will probably be all over the the ecosystem as far as the, as news, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I remember while she was still you know part of the senior leadership team at Founders Factory Africa. And she was my boss, my team and I reporting to her. And I can't remember what the context was, but she let slip that she was wearing a ring that her family was one of the few things the family were able to escape with when they Mm. left Russia at the fall of the Soviet Union. I was like, what? You know what I mean? Like, and I can't remember what the context was. But I just, you know, and it was, oh yeah, I think it was in the context of just taking in like modern day happenings around the world and mm. realizing like Russia's in another mess now and that whole region is is figuring out a whole mess again. And and the pain of her having to relive an experience granted from afar, but she still has family there yeah, and all of that. Yeah. And I just realized, you know, I think in that moment I realized up until that point I hadn't thought, I thought of her more as, as a... Um,
1: Oh, Again, perhaps a perhaps as, as, a, boss, you as know, a boss, someone that you report to, someone you know that I mean? you are accountable to. Yeah. And we tend sometimes, depending on a person's role, yeah. as you say, to sort of depersonalize. Dehumanize, actually. Oh, dehumanize. I it it's like negativity. Perhaps, perhaps. Alina's mm-hmm.
0: super competent, mm-hmm. super, like, couldn't be a more amazing person to work with, work for, yeah. be led by and you just you buy into the brand yeah and what this did and maybe more deeply for me and and those of us who have had to who've gotten to work with her yeah and 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 you know work under her and and, and be led by her you just go yeah, man, Every, we, need, we need more stories out here. I'll
1: tell you why we also need more stories out here. It took
0: a while to get there. Didn't <laughs> <it>? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> the reason we need more stories out there and delay is obviously, you know, if we are talking about the investment space, the venture fund or venture capital space and the tech space mm. is we've been sort of drinking this Kool-Aid for decades now, enabled by the media, obviously, around tech, these bros hyper confident as if they've always known what facebook would ultimately become as if they've always known that they would ultimately change the world or that or as if they've always known that they would succeed so that hyper confidence that you're talking about that everybody assumed they had to have Mm. right and this veneer that they were told that you had to sort of shellac over onto or over your life isn't even real even for the people who we've spend decades or years, you know, those stories we've been reading and hearing. And that time has, that's served its purpose, but we've also stopped drinking the Kool-Aid and we know that there's really no such thing. And so we're in a post sort of idolizing tech, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, tech founders. We are in a post idolizing the venture cap world. Mm-hmm. And we understand that people are different. We understand that there needs to be diversity. Mm. We understand there needs to be new blood as a business
0: imperative, not yeah. just because it's the right thing. Mm. It's like,
1: and we also understand thing. that we need new ideas mm. and new ways of doing things. Mm. And that's why this Alina's story. Or I, I I'm, I'm guessing that that's why it's taken Alina so long to tell her story. Yeah, because where was the space to be yeah.
0: you two, three years ago? Even yeah,
1: yeah, and the tide has turned or the tide is turning at least, you know. So it was also very, very, I guess, energizing and inspiring to know and understand that one can design one's Mm. life and change at any point or three times or four times. You can write on
0: a bunch of (laughs) napkins. You can find a whiteboard and like envisage a future and you can work towards it
1: and you can work towards it and you can pull those threads of interest and see where they take you Hmm. which Alina has done many many times in her life and is doing once again with this change
0: here's a personal question for you just reflecting now what would it take for you to be subject to a project of this nature about your life?
1: Oh, millions of dollars. <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
0: now you're going to make Alina like, question her. her... <laughs> you
1: have to pay me a lot. See, this is... This is yeah. um,
0: would this... you do it though?
1: See, and I don't why not? know. And if it not, because depend... you're saying
0: the tide is turning, right? It would so depend
1: I'm... on who was doing it. Okay. So I'd be absolutely particular about who was doing the asking and who I was sitting down to talk to that's number one number two you see when you're a control freak yeah.
0: and you're used to being the broadcaster in a tra- in in a traditional setting where even as a podcaster you don't have as much control as you have say yeah being the host of a radio talk show on 702 talk I mean, radio
1: it took a long time for me to actually take off my newsreader hat yeah. right because i started out in the oh, newsroom yeah, news,
0: um
1: so we don't we-
0: question the news the news is delivered
1: the news is delivered number one number two i also don't insert myself quote unquote uh, we've just established yes. you know that we all bring our baggage and our yes. our and baggage in a good and bad way
0: but in the and news you are hyper you are hyper
1: i mean i even have the voice vigilant. yeah
0: you're vigilant about yeah like perspective and, and so it's never and about
1: you agnosticism so, Yeah, I think there's still a large part of me that is that news reader Mm. or that news anchor. And I'm very aware that uh, uh, you always just assume nobody wants to know about you. They just want to hear the happenings of the day. I still assume that nobody wants to know. Like, what what would you want to know about Rafilwe? She works, she does her own thing, and then... Just you know, she minds her own business.
0: I can tell you now that we're going to get a response to this podcast, <laughs> challenging that very notion. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: What I what I can say is, I'm really, really glad that you were a version of that trusted steward of storytelling and stu- a steward of, I suppose, personal experience and 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 that when Alina had to take that risk, she got yeah. to do it with you. I think, I think that's something she'll probably. She no doubt would agree with me in saying she was very, very blessed to have.
1: Oh, thanks uh, so much. Regard. So
0: let's hope you find your person too, because I do believe, contrary to your your rubbish notion, I'll tell you straight, <laughs> that your story is A important. And and, I, and and having known you the way I do, I know that your story mm. is untold. Is I mean, I think the opportunity cost of your story untold is... Is ridiculous and and yeah. it must be remedied at some point.
1: It will be remedied and perhaps by you. I'll tell you this, and I don't say I don't say who would be interested. I would gladly I do this in a minute if I knew to help anybody or be of service to someone. I guess ultimately Which what I'm will. trying to say is, I've never been interested in fame, yeah, or just to just being known to be known, yeah, unless it's useful to someone or for someone. I have no interest. Otherwise in Otherwise, you wouldn't
0: choose news as a as a media pursuit, right? You would have. I guess you probably would have been in the media, but in a totally different way. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it speaks to the fact that you went to study journalism, which, yeah, I mean, who does that unless they have a highly ideological? and um other centered view of the world i suppose there are some people who will find our greedy and power hungry <laughs> yeah. grabbers i would hope yeah. that the you know my my stereotypical view of a lot of the people i know and the, many of the journalists i've gotten to meet in news yeah. in actuality as it's called tend to be a version of what you're saying yeah but but their stories need to be told and Absolutely. And, and and again the 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 version of the world as it's passing as you're curating it for others to understand yeah oh my word what a rich place to mine anyway I, i'm making a case for
1: so you've convinced me <laughs> yeah. you've convinced Come me on now. A, 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 if anyone's interested i'll definitely entertain some offers your some is some questions. The producer. okay so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so listen so we're going to um treat the audience to a sneak listen of build to thrive the alina tree story we'll be playing part one beautiful Entitled Flight. Yeah. I think we had a lot of fun with like naming things for this. Yeah. Um and I think you'll understand why it was it's aptly sort of titled, but and I want you to have the final word before people before we roll the tape. So before we roll the tape, here's refilo's sense of what she hopes or she hopes you will get out of this this little sneak lesson of the first episode. And sure. of course, all the all the links to the so the rest of the three-part series will be in the show notes wherever you're listening to this. But over to you, before the folks listen, Refilwe, they're about to hear part one flight of the Alina a story.
1: So, of course, what you don't get to see or hear is how vigorous this process was, you know, as it should be. But please appreciate the fact that Alina really made herself so vulnerable in this conversation in a way that she's never done on a public platform and when you know that you'll be struck by just what it takes or just what it took for her to share to the extent and the level that she did uh know that when we finished having the series of conversations especially around the first podcast or the first episode she was incredibly drained it was an emotional and mm. physical mm. and psychic effort mm. in the end mm. And it is such a beautiful thing to have been able to witness that and to see it. So what I want you to take away from listening to this episode is just the understanding that you can throw out any expectations of life being easy, life being a meritocracy, wars happen, people get disenfranchised, people lose their homes, people flee to other countries. People don't get into the universities that they'd hoped to get into, despite their obvious talent and aptitude. But what is guaranteed is another chance to try again and to take another swing at the ball. Hmm. And that's the only thing that we can do as human beings. Wow. Just keep swinging. And that is exactly what Alina did and does.
0: What are you doing to me?
1: You know what I mean? That's what you need to take away. Uh, from <laughs> this, this, this. Uh, minis- keep swinging. Just keep swinging. Just keep swinging. Because that is the human condition. We keep at it.
0: How? Yeah. We are rolling the tape. <laughs> On Build to Thrive, the Alina Trina story, part one flight.
2: Enjoy it. I think we're still at a place where there needs to be more successful entrepreneurs and more venture capitalists and more venture builders. And being the role models for others. We'd like to have more FFAs on the continent supporting the ecosystem.
1: That's Alina Trujina, Chief Strategy Officer at Founders Factory Africa, also known as FFA. Alina spends weeks on the road and up in the air, crisscrossing the world to drive expansion and growth for the business, and of course, ensuring that FFA is aligned to global opportunities. Alina is singularly intent on making sure that her time and efforts achieve maximum impact, commercial and otherwise. So it's no coincidence that within the four short years since she co-founded FFA, the Pan-African Investor, Venture Builder and Accelerator, which is headquartered in Johannesburg, They've secured three major corporate investment partners and they've built an investment portfolio of over 50 fintech, agtech, and health tech startups. There's also a tiny matter of the 140 million-odd US dollars that Alina's been instrumental in raising through the business in order to back tech entrepreneurship across Africa. I'm Rifilo Mpakanyane, and this is Build to Thrive, the Alina Trujina story. A three-part podcast mini-series unpacking the story of a little Latvian girl who grew up to be a global citizen with audacious entrepreneurial ambitions to change the world. Along with FFA, Alina's abiding obsession is to create a vibrant pipeline of tech ventures and consequently, a thriving startup economy on the continent. In many ways, that mission is an extension of Alina's evolution as a human being. FFA has consistently updated its model over the years and uses a localized hybrid approach to investing on the continent in order to hone delivery of bespoke venture support to many of Africa's brightest tech founders. Alina's current life as a successful, jet-setting innovator and businesswoman might seem a natural extension of her childhood, where she excelled at school and received a number of scholarships to further her studies. But by the age of 10, she was also a refugee. Her family lost everything, and her parents had to start over in a new country where Alina had to learn a new language and adapt to a new normal. Can you describe life in Riga before the dissolution of the USSR? What I know, what little I know about Riga is the fact that its historical center is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, right?
2: Yeah, so you're absolutely right. What comes to mind immediately is there is, Riga has an old town and it's absolutely beautiful. It's filled with these cobblestone streets and gorgeous buildings. And I remember it really well, maybe to caveat I was very young. This is me growing up until I was 10 years old. So me as a six, seven, eight-year-old. But I remember it really well because that's where my parents had their dental practice. And they had their own business. It holds a special place in my memory. It's beautiful. And then the suburbs look completely different to the old town. And we lived in this really, for the times, I would say, nouveau design, bright yellow building. And it was like the place to be. And I remember being so proud of it because it was just so, in my mind, innovative. And as a young girl, it was all about living somewhere where your friends would feel really cool to hang out. I was part of the USSR, you know, I was, I'm a USSR baby. And so my friends were from different parts of USSR. Had, I had my best friend from Tajikistan and I went to school with Russian speaking people. And so for me, it was like, yes, there are people who are, who are Latvian people and there's people who are Russian people and that all gelled into a city that I remember.
0: Now an update on the events in the Soviet Union. The coup to oust Soviet President Gorbachev has collapsed and Mr. Gorbachev says he is in complete command of the country. He told Soviet television he will
2: resume his full duties.
1: It's an almost unimaginable situation to find yourself in forced to flee the only home you've ever known and then once in a country of safety spending five years applying to the united nations high commission of refugees for your status as a political refugee to be made permanent that's what alina her mom dad and sister went through but before we get into what life in australia was like it's important to understand the conditions that made life in latvia untenable Why did your family have to flee? How did you find yourself
2: a refugee at the age of 10? Latvia became independent from USSR. So 1991 and the years before and obviously following that, there's a lot of turmoil across all levels of society and not least just the political changes, but economic changes, changes to how people all of a sudden started to turn in each other and how, for different reasons, Russian people were discriminated against. It became very hard for my parents to see a future for my sister and I. It was a very hard time because even the leaving part was not easy. You know, what I experienced as a child was having to move out of this beautiful yellow house and actually leaving school. We moved into this one Little room apartment and almost hid whilst trying to get out and move to Australia. It was a, a hard time because I could see just how hard it was on my parents and how there was nothing guaranteed. There was this goal and determination for a better life and to escape death threats to a place where we are free, so to speak, and how none of that was guaranteed. And my parents were so young, they were in their early 30s, which I keep reminding myself, I'm now past that age, and (laughs) what they did was just mind-blowing. But my grandparents stayed, and there was no knowledge of when we'll see them again. I'm not Latvian, and I'm not Russian, and I'm not Australian, and so I feel all of those three things, and more, from what I've experienced around the world. So, yeah, it's a hard one. I'm a nomad. (laughs)
1: When you read Alina's biography, a rather compelling phrase always jumps off the page. Russian-born, ethnically Latvian, and Australian-raised. With any of these descriptors to turn to, just how does she introduce herself when she meets people around the world?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I get that question a lot. You meet somebody new and they say, where are you from? Or what is your nationality? <laughs> and no matter like how many times I've had to answer that question, I still stumble I think part of it is because, interestingly, it actually depends on the person, how I describe myself. For a very long time, if I said I'm from Latvia, I would immediately have to explain where it is in the world. So I would give that context because it's a very small Baltic country and no, not many people know it and no judgment there. Obviously, very unfortunately today, more people know of it because of what's going on in the world. But... The Russian piece is is interesting as well because there was a time and still is a time where I would think twice about revealing that side of me and it created a conflict in my mind because it, culturally that is who I am. The Australian part is interesting because I don't really feel Australian but it's where I grew up. So my answer always lands on explaining like the whole journey and then overwhelming people and then having to backtrack a little bit and then give context to it. But it's important because all three sort of pieces contributed in different ways to who I am.
1: I marvel at her work ethic. The first time Alina and I ever spoke, she'd just come off a plane and took our virtual meeting at the airport in Bangkok. And despite those flight delays, she still chatted with me with great humor and was in high spirits. Described by her colleagues as passionate about FFA's mission and exacting in her approach, I asked Alina whether her constant drive to be high-achieving
2: is a cultural or family dynamic. I think it's definitely a cultural thing, and it's a very interesting topic. I think there's other cultures, in addition to, let's say, Eastern European culture, of persistence and the high value of education not just high value of kind of the education you receive at school but also being a worldly person a cultural person you know in in Russia's history there's a lot of interconnections with France and the French and so there's a lot of sort of expectation for one's child to grow up learning how to play violin and a piano and going to do ballet and being this Culturally and intellectually and spiritually, but maybe less, but holistic person, an ideal person that is growing up. So it's definitely a cultural thing, and it's one that, till this day, I see the positives and negatives because there's definitely things that um, now you know, experiencing what it is like in other parts of the world in Australia, you question whether that is the correct way and question whether the kind of the immense emphasis of Being perfect and studying so much is somehow diluting the social aspects of your childhood. Mm, But then there's other aspects like I wouldn't be here if I wasn't taught the discipline. I definitely wouldn't be here if I wasn't taught the persistence that one learns in in an environment like this. Yes, definitely a cultural thing and, and a lot of pressure from that too. Not just one's parents, but it's school and friends and other families.
1: Fast forward to the Trujina family's arrival in Australia, a place that Alina had spent so much time romanticising as a utopian
2: destination. Did reality hold up to the daydream? My experience was obviously different to my parents' experience, but in some ways it, it overlaps because for five years, again, there was no guarantees. So we came as political refugees. And so when we arrived, we had to rely on a lot of support networks, Red Cross migrant networks that help people who are migrating to find a job because my parents had to quickly do that, to find a school for my sister and I, and to find a house. For a long time we lived in a house that belonged to the Red Cross Society and obviously could not afford something by ourselves. But it was this interesting juxtaposition of both sort of being in a place where you felt relief and hope for the future, but also the challenges of adapting to a completely different society with completely different cultural norms and language, obviously, and having to learn that. When we arrived, I didn't really speak English. Well, I didn't speak English. (laughs) (laughs) And immediately that became a barrier. And... Most of all, and this applies to my parents, starting from zero because they couldn't continue with their profession. Doctors are not recognised interstate. And seeing that and feeling both safe but at the same time feeling the immense boulder that we need to push up a hill in order to feel okay and have the foundation for life whilst for five years, again, going through tribunals and reapplying for this refugee status because we got declined several times as there wasn't enough data information for Australian government to make that decision those 5 years were incredibly hard and of course when we found out that we were allowed to stay and could become residents of this amazing amazing country such relief you know i, I remember as a little girl doing these like ini mini money mo games <laughs> sort of like yeah. Are we going to are we going to be kicked out? Will we get to stay? Will we not get to stay? It's intense thinking about it because it was literally like we don't know, and we could be on the airplane back to the place that we fled, and so being in that state of insecurity has certainly i'm sure impacted. Was
1: that you scenario planning in your young mind?
2: probably, yeah.
1: Alina's parents lost their medical practice when they fled Latvia, and when they settled in Australia, they had to work as unskilled labourers to support the family. Her admiration for them always stands out when she talks about them. So, what powerful values did they model for Alina during this time, and what does she still hold close to her heart?
2: I think looking at them both, this just immense hunger for... Or persistence, and having, again, having that resilience to do something no matter what is absolutely something that I carry with me till this day. Um, both of them were, in some ways, you have to put your pride aside, right, to go from being a doctor to working in a factory or, so my mom was at a fruit and vegetable store in a market. You have to put all of that aside and believe that, you can still provide for your children and your family, but also this belief that actually you may someday get back to who you were and giving all of who you were up professionally, but, you know, in some ways socially. And and you give all of that up and still believe through all the hardships that you can have that someday again. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. Watching them do that. That definitely has made a huge, not only impact, but also instilled that drive in me because no matter where I go, I think of what they've done in their early 30s, where I am now. And and wanting to do something that is as big as that at scale. So definitely perseverance and grit and resilience come to mind.
1: You'll be happy to know that ever the models of grit and perseverance, Alina's parents did the incredibly difficult thing of qualifying as doctors in Australia and have run their own medical practices for over 10 years. Talk about overcoming. Alina had dreamt of studying medicine like her parents, but after twice applying and twice being rejected from medical school, Alina, ever the pragmatist, had a hard decision to make. Since I've gathered that she prizes empathy in relating to others, I wondered how Alina processed that devastation and whether she was able to show herself a little grace.
2: Yeah, there was zero empathy. I was 16 at the time. It was absolutely an embarrassment. It was absolutely a failure. It was incredibly demoralizing because here I was with incredible academic achievement. I've done nothing but give up my social life to study and succeed and to end up in a place where other people that I've seen did not put in nearly as much time and effort getting the spot that I thought I should have received or just getting in. So, no, and I was incredibly hard on myself, so there was a lot of... I thought I needed to work harder and clearly it wasn't good enough. And I think that also maybe partly that experience has instilled a level of comparison that I still carry with me. It's both a positive and a negative, but comparing myself to others in that what it is that they do and how much have they had to do to work for it. Certainly at the time, there were individuals who, as I said, did not, Put in nearly enough effort and time and got the place, and I didn't feel that was right. I felt that was very unfair. So it was a combination of all those things.
1: Do you think you've done enough or, or you've honored them in your career
2: since no. then? No, it no? never stops. No, it <laughs> not won't stop. It won't stop. <laughs> I sent this message to my mom literally the other day, and she was saying how proud she is or how proud they are of what I'm doing and I say like I carry you with me everywhere I go and obviously a huge part of it is do it with the people that I serve and we'll get into that yeah. but definitely a part of it is carrying my parents and my sister with me and paying tribute to them for the opportunity they've given me. I think I I'll forever be enriched by the conversations that I have with the Uber driver in Pakistan, or the grandma in a chicken shop in Kenya. Uh, Every one of those conversations is like a piece of the puzzle that fulfills me, but not enough to make me stop.
1: I'm struck by Alina's wanderlust. I'd imagine that when you're forced to flee your home and you get to the next place, you'd want to put down some really deep roots. But Alina has gone in the other direction and travel is her mainstay. I want to know if this is simply a byproduct,
2: a bug or feature of the line of work she's chosen or part of her DNA. I think about it a lot and I think it's connected to the question we're talking about, identity. And so as I travel to different countries and meet fascinating, incredible people of all backgrounds and all different you know, socioeconomic levels and all educational levels. There's something in me that that connects to those different parts of the world and feels at home in all those different parts of the world. And surprisingly, or unsurprisingly maybe, some parts of the world actually resonate and make me feel more at home than others. I think I'll forever seek that. And I think it's also part of my personality too, that curiosity and wanting to learn about the world and wanting to understand it.
1: While Alina was born into a Russian Orthodox family, her spiritual practice is now heavily influenced by her mother, whose own approach is research-based and methodical. This practice is imbued with a healthy appreciation of being a small part of something much,
2: much bigger. My mom has influenced me a lot in this respect, and she sort of reads a lot about spirituality and Buddhism and tries to understand the interconnection between science and religion. She's incredibly curious, as you can tell. And so for me, even that is is not necessarily a reference to a god, but a reference to something significantly incredible out there in the universe that is... Not protecting me, but it's a nod to that. And it's a nod to appreciating who I am as this small little human on planet Earth who recognizes that I am a teeny-weeny part of something incredibly big a
1: teeny weeny speck in the universe making yes. Im- doing impact at scale okay <laughs> i like you know it's isn't that just i guess the weird sort of dichotomy of being a human being that understanding your place or in in the order of things can be quite comforting and yet one's ambition can be enormous
2: i agree i think it also being empathetic i learned that word first when i was preparing to do exams to enter medical school there was a lot of talk about doctors need to be empathetic. Are you empathetic? Show us that you're empathetic. And I'd be like, yes, I'm empathetic. <laughs> and there would be a clinical description of what empathy is versus sympathy. Yeah. And it wasn't until like later on that I actually learned what empathy was, or at least I hope I understand it more. And it is very much through these conversations with people all over the world and being able to listen and understand and not make it about yourself and so yes absolutely it is this recognition that we are all doing incredible things and I'm not any better than you are or anybody else who is doing other types of professions or chosen a different career or or just or not right and Mm, and just consistently reminding yourself of that the funny paradox is that One, or I, need to be cognizant of when to turn that up and when to turn that down because you need to have a level of confidence to still lead and continue in the direction of your vision and be empathetic at the same time whilst not coming across as arrogant or entitled. The reason it was hard was because I was going to miss my family. It wasn't because I was going to miss... Australia or because I was doubting whether this was the right thing to do, it was only because I was going to miss seeing them on a daily basis. So there were a lot of tears, but the drive towards the future pulled me through.
1: There's that wanderlust again. I wonder what Alina leaving Australia did to her close-knit family of four, and how did the hard choice of leaving help her hone a
2: trait that would stand her in good stead right throughout her career? So I actually left twice. The first time was I started my career in media, working for two incredible organizations, or companies, I should say, in media advertising. And I felt... A curiosity, but again, also this incredible nostalgia and pull towards understanding what doing something at scale and doing something purposeful and impactful would look like. And so the first time that I left was when I applied and received a scholarship to study in France. And that was an incredible opportunity. My mom has always talked about France and Paris since we were growing up. And In a way, it was her dream, but it was also my dream to experience the city. And so, of course, I went for this and I studied for a year in this university, in this very, uh, what I've learned, a really tough to get into university called Sciences Po. So that was the first time that I left. After that, coming back and being incredibly determined to continue a career in diplomacy and in international development made me think that I have to apply and do a master's in that field because, again, at the time, I had a bachelor in my hands, which was in media and communication and arts. I had this experience working in the corporate world with some incredible corporates. So the second time I left was to go and do my master's. Funnily enough, there was no question about it. And it's something that I have learned is an intuition or that once I know that it's time to go, it's time to go. And to go to a new chapter. And it's just such a strong feeling that once I decide, like it's just so super clear. Listen, if you could bottle
1: that and sell it, clarity of vision (laughs) (laughs) and knowing we're done here, you would become possibly the world's richest woman. (laughs) It's a rare commodity. It really is.
2: It's an interesting one because I, I think that so many of us have those moments of incredible intuition and, vision and clarity but we tell ourselves otherwise and we find excuses so these days when i work with founders entrepreneurs who are constantly facing the hardest decisions in their lives of not only how to grow their business but also how am i going to get food for my family because I need to provide for them I find myself often encouraging both them and others in my life to just trust your intuition and it sounds very soft and it sounds very yeah you know Woo -woo. (laughs) woo woo thank you but it's so true and I've made the best decisions in my life trusting my gut In the next episode of Build to
1: Thrive, the Alina Trejina story, we explore Alina's professional life from the corporate media space in Australia to seven years at the World Bank and joining Spring, where Alina formed key relationships in Southeast Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa while garnering entrepreneurial experience that led to her co-founding Founders Factory
2: Africa. Whether you're president or an entrepreneur, we're all humans trying to do and make our role within this world. We need to do more, we need to collaborate, we need to find a common language, we need to communicate, we need to join forces and we need to innovate and we can't be static. We cannot just remain in our status quo, we need to look for new models of collaboration and new solutions to existing problems.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Build to Thrive, the Alina Trejina story. Subscribe to the limited series wherever you get your podcasts, and please don't forget to like and rate the series.